What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Nonstop BS. I'm Cole Lynchad, your host. On today's episode of the show, we have the Atlanta Hawks have hired a new head coach. NFL rumors and releases begin to swirl as the NFL as the NFL scouting combine takes place and is set to take place in Indianapolis. We have our franchise tag primer uh, as we begin to predict who we think is going to get what type of certain franchise tag, um, and then we will continue in to the NFC with two div- two more divisions, the NFC South and the NFC West, as we continue predicting the starting quarterbacks for each NFL team in the 2023 season, and then we'll conclude with two best bets in the NBA. Hope you enjoy, and thank you for tuning in to Nonstop BS. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same teams, topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you, about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchad, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. Welcome into a Wednesday episode of Nonstop BS. Uh, a long weekend in sports. Hopefully, you guys followed along with me on Twitter. I was tweeting quite a bit during the race, the Palo Casino 400 at California. It was a pretty fantastic race. Um, ended up having a winning day, slightly a winning day, with our bets that we placed on the race. So, hopefully, you followed along with those. Uh, a lot of NBA action, including a insane game with the Boston Celtics and 76ers on Saturday night. Um, and just a lot of action, some good golf, a lot, a lot of really good college basketball, really fun weekend in sports, but we're moved on to another week. Um, already had some action in the beginning of the week and, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of sports coming up this week, a lot of big events coming up this week. And, uh, I'm really excited about that. So we're going to dig into that. Um, you heard in the beginning of the show, we have some news to start off with. If you're not following the show on Twitter, um, you can follow me at Lynch Cole, on Twitter, my personal account. You can also follow the show at Nonstop BS Pod. I post all my bets on my personal account, um, and then there's a lot of other content that you can follow on the show's Twitter account, and there will be even more going forward, so make sure you follow that. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the show, I would really appreciate it. Rate and review. That would be fantastic. And also, tell a friend. If, if you think anybody would be interested in the show, if you think anybody that you know um, is sick and tired of whatever their sports media. If you hear them complaining about listening to politics and sports and listening to um, biased opinions, if you hear them complaining about any of that kind of stuff with the 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 sports entertainment that they listen to throughout the week to get them on to the games um, that they love watching, then then tell them there's no better spot for them at non than at nonstop BS uh, and listening to this podcast. Um, I would love to to really build a a uh, a foundation for a um, a, a, a podcast here that can be, um, something more than a podcast, more, more, more like a relationship between, um, me and you to where we can talk about sports in a fun way, because I feel like that's taken out of it a lot of the times. And I love talking about sports. I love interacting with people who love to talk about sports. So that's what I'm looking to build here. Uh, and so if you know anybody that'd be interested, tell them and refer them to the show. I would really appreciate that as well. 
Um, thank you for tuning in, most importantly, though, and listening to the show. And that is enough of that, I think. So with that, we will dive into our first bit of news. Um, like I said, it was a busy week in sports. And I feel like there's no better way to start off than with the Atlanta Hawks and the splashy head coaching hire that they made over the weekend. Uh, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, which this is not according anymore as they are currently playing, as I'm speaking to you, um, in their first game, the two sides um, of former Utah Jazz coach Quinn Snyder and the Atlanta Hawks agreed to a five-year deal. The deal includes the rest of the 2022-23 campaign as he's coaching tonight. And Snyder, blah, blah, blah. This is a, a obviously a past report. We're a little bit late on this for the podcast. The sake of when I record and when I talk to you guys had to be that way. But, um, yeah, so it, obviously his debut was tonight, as they, as they talked about here. A really, really awesome hire for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and a, a really fortunate hire, too. I think this honestly had a major reason as to why Nate McMillan was fired in the beginning of the or in the middle of the season the way he was at the All-Star break because this is atypical and honestly in most situations I feel like I'd be very critical of the move um you know it's hard to build any sort of really a team like the Atlanta Hawks right now and where they were at the All-Star break sitting at 29 and 30 um and really trying to fight for a playoff spot when they thought that they should be um, a playoff team this year coming into the season had those expectations in the fan base and the organization and making a move when you're sitting in a spot where you still have that shot. Uh, it's been a little bit underwhelming, but you still have a shot to do everything that you were hoping to do and making a drastic move of firing your coach and then quickly hiring on a five-year contract, a brand new coach, um, and trying to build and, and, and regroup and form that team within that new relationship with the coach in the middle of the season, usually a very questionable decision. I think in this circumstance, it was aggressive. It was going and getting clearly the best coach that is available um, and, and not waiting until he has opportunities to to talk to different franchises and different with different coaching openings that would obviously inevitably happen after the NBA season. Um, I think the Hawks went and they got their guy. They got, they got a guy in Quinn Snyder who's really – um, aggressive. He's no nonsense. Something that they need with the Atlanta Hawks. There's been a lot of chaos and a lot of drama that's gone on with the organization this year, and I think that's been uh, a big problem with what they've what, with with why they've been struggling because they're a super talented team, as we talked about in past episodes. Um, so I think Quinn Snyder fits really well. I think he's a really good team builder. He's shown that with his uh, track record in Utah. Um, Snyder went 300 and um, 73 and. In his eight years at Utah, he went 372 and 264, including making the playoffs in his last six seasons with the Utah Jazz. You recall, obviously, those are mostly the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert teams that he built, and it's, it's just it's a fantastic hire. I mean, a guy with a f- great track record, his personality fits what this team needs. I'm really excited to see what happens. It, it could not work out for this year. This is obviously going to be a lot of learning on the fly for Quinn Snyder, but I mean... Somebody who's really seasoned like him, I feel like, has a better shot than pretty much anybody would at coming in and, and building quickly um, with kind of a veteran, a young but veteran team in the Atlanta Hawks. So super exciting move for the organization for the Atlanta Hawks. We'll see where it leads them. They're obviously going to be a really intriguing team with um, the last quarter of the season um, coming into the playoffs. Okay, in other news, we're going to move over to the NFL. There's been quite a bit of rumors and some other, some more releases as we reported on um, Bobby Wagner, um, Taylor Lewan getting released last episode. Uh, there's been a couple more of those, so we're going to go over some of that. But I'm going to start off with Derek Carr, um, again, is in the news as he's reportedly heading to um, Ian Rapport of NFL, NFL Total Access reported uh, quarterback Derek Carr is headed to Indianapolis to meet with several teams as his free agency comes into focus. It's about finding the right fit. Um, obviously, we talked about before the Jets and Saints both hosted workouts for Derek Carr, and there's been the Carolina Panthers have also um, shown interest in Carr. So, but yet to have a yet to have a meeting with him. So Carr is obviously going to be meeting with anybody he possibly can, f- exhausting all options. His brother David Carr on NFL Network as well reported that. Or, or said, I shouldn't say reported, but obviously nobody, nobody better to 
get an accurate statement than the dude's brother, uh, <laughs> who works for obviously NFL Network. Um, but he said also that this is going to be this is going to be something that's going to take some time. Derek Carr is going to really see what's out there and try to make the best decision for him. I think this is just a first step. A lot of people um, just are going to be following this Derek Carr story to death throughout the season. I don't think I'm really going to do that on the podcast, but I definitely wanted to just put this out there and, and show that Derek Carr is definitely not locked into one team. He's definitely not trying to find find a team and act before the likes of Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson are possibly on the market. I think that's interesting. I think Derek Carr is serious about this next team that he that he's going to go to, and I think that he he really wants to find a situation that fits him best. And it's going to be um, really telling where he where he picks to go. I think with the options that he has, uh, you know, whether it's a young team like the Jets who are uh, kind of a quarterback away and and are building on a, a on a bunch of rookies and second year contracts um, that can pay him really well. Or if it's more of a veteran team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are kind of regrouping, um, and and he and he's filling a void of, of Tom Brady, obviously in that situation who left. Or if he goes, you know, to some other team who has a quarterback that moves. I mean, there, there's a lot of there's going to be even more than there is right now situations um, that that are QB hungry, and it's going to be cool to see and uh, or, or where Derek Carr ends up landing. Um, okay, next bit of news. And actually, kind of relating, um, as this is another team that could be uh, interested in Derek Carr as we go forward. The Washington Commanders um, officially have released Carson Wentz um, after one season with the Commanders. Carson Wentz was released on Monday in a move that had been long expected, as reported by ESPN. Um, The move saves Washington just over $26 million on the salary cap. This was kind of inevitable. I mean, Carson Wentz last year struggled when he played, also struggled with injuries, was hurt for um, almost half the season, and and then didn't start even when he came back from that. Um, it's going to be also for Carson Wentz, is he still a starting quarterback in the NFL? Um, personally, I think in, in a certain situation he could be. Carson Wentz is a guy that is really frustrating to watch as an NFL fan. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. Um, a lot of times when you watch him play, you swear, just like in his uh, second season in the NFL with the Eagles where he almost won the MVP before getting hurt, you swear he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and then he just makes some really insane mistakes. And some games he just repetitively makes them over and over and over again. Um, so he's a really frustrating player. And, you know, his talent's going to be too hard for teams to at least ignore as a backup or somebody to bring in to be like type of... a like a, a bridge quarterback for a young quarterback that they draft. But I don't know if any of these teams that are trying to find, you know, a, a cheaper option um, and, and trying to really build something like the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if any of them look at Carson Wentz as a starter anymore. And that's going to be something to watch with him is what type of deal he gets, where what team he goes to, what situation he's in. And can he somehow rebound this career? His career, I, I think that Washington was the most concerning landing spot for of Carson Wentz. Of when, when you watched him, it seemed like it seemed like in Washington he had about everything he could have possibly asked for and, and everything he could have possibly wanted. When you talk about the offense and how how many wide receivers they have that are very good, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, uh, a good good group of backs, a really good defense, um, a good coach in Ron Rivera. And he still, a decent offensive line, and he still had games right off the bat, uh, actually against the Eagles, where he just continually fumbled, 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 interception. I mean, just at least in Indianapolis, I, I, I gave Carson Wentz a pass after Indianapolis because, yes, he ended the season terribly. Yes, it was a massive choke by a team that had a really good shot at making a, a push in the playoffs had they made it. Um, but Wentz played really well, honestly, throughout that year. And a lot of people just kind of masked that and forgot about it after um, the last two games of the season where he played awful on their attempt to get in the playoffs. And I thought Carson Wentz going to Washington was going to be a good move. But like I said, after after seeing what he did in Washington, I mean, maybe this guy really just cannot be consistent enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. It'll be really interesting to see if he gets a chance um, at, at, at all throughout the rest of his career or if he ends up being just a backup quarterback from here on out. He's way too talented to me to be a, just a backup quarterback. But 
as we as I said, we will see. Okay, last bit of news I'm going to go over. Um, Jalen Ramsey also in the news, as it is reported that the Los Angeles Rams have had trade talks this offseason so far already, uh, and that it's very likely that he is going to be dealt in the upcoming weeks per the NFL Network. Um, you know, this is another thing that's really not surprising. Jalen Ramsey has a fairly big contract, and nearing the end of the contract with the one year remaining on it, He's also reportedly looking for a new deal. So there's not a lot of people that I feel like, or a lot of people, a lot of teams that want to pay a corner top of the market dollars at, at this point in the NFL. I mean, teams are already struggling with how much money quarterbacks are making and how many of these young quarterbacks they're going to have to pay. A lot of the teams with salary cap right now with a, a decent amount um, don't really want to go out and find a corner and pay him, you know, 30, <laughs> near $30 million, $25 million against cap. And that's definitely what Ramsey's going to be looking for. He's going to be looking to, to break the bank again. Um, and so there's a very select amount of teams. I feel like that even have a shot at getting Ramsey, but there is one team that it makes all the sense in the world for, and that is the Detroit lions. The lions have an offense that is pretty loaded. When you talk about Deandre Swift um, and Jamal Williams, what they did at, at running back last year. Their offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. A lot of young players on the line still. And then the receivers with Jamison Williams coming coming up um, this year. Um, th- they have a lot of talent on this offense. And I think that, and, and also, they have um, the third most cap space at this point before a lot of teams obviously have not yet, have yet to make their uh, initial cuts and everything. Oh, and Monroe St. Brown, of course, I didn't mention. Um, but the Lions right now, yeah, they have the third most cap space heading into the offseason with fifty, just over $52 million. Um, and also on defense right now, they really are not paying anybody. Their two starting corners right now are slated to be Jeff Akuda and Afedi Melifonwu. And um, like I said, I mean, they're, they're pass rushers right now. Most of them are on rookie deals outside of Romeo Aquara. Um, they only have one inside linebacker who's even um, under contract right now. I mean, just a lot of a lot of room to develop and grow on defense, but they need some veteran presence, and they have the money to do it. So um, I, I could see the Lions definitely being a team pursuing Jalen Ramsey. They also have a decent amount of draft capital um, that it would, and definitely enough that it, enough that they could go after somebody like Ramsey, which a lot of teams just aren't in that position. Another team I could see entertaining it, although they have a lot of people to pay as well, is the New York Giants. Um, the Giants are clearing a lot of their cap space as we speak. They just released Kenny Galladay today. Um, and and they're a team that also just needs some more players. I mean, Brian Dable did a great job with that team last year. Super under-talented, um, but made the playoffs with them, won a playoff game. And, you know, a player like Jalen Ramsey, I feel like is just the type of player you'd need to come in and kind of elevate this defense to another level. The defense played really well, but I think a lot of that had to do with the scheme. Um, they were the highest pressuring defense in the NFL last year. And, you know, their corner play was not the best. Their secondary play overall was not the best. But they got a lot out of late-round picks, a lot of guys on rookie contracts who had been terrible um, up until last year. So, you know, you add some talent onto the Giants' defense, and you bring back Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and you probably got a pretty well-rounded team, and Jalen Ramsey would be a good start to that. So um, I think those are two teams that I could realistically see going after Ramsey, but obviously that's to be determined. Those are just some spots that I've kind of been eyeing. Okay, we're going to move on to our franchise tag primer. I have six players that I thought were going to get the franchise tag um, that I'm going to go over with you guys. But to start it off, one player actually yesterday already did receive the franchise tag and I actually nailed it I was going to talk about him um and he got the exact tag that I was kind of expecting him to so start off there Darren Payne of the Washington Commanders receives the non-exclusive franchise tag um and like I said no surprise really Darren Payne's one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL um and they hadn't really been able to work on a contract with him yet because the commanders have paid a lot of players on their defense, and they have a lot of money that they have to figure out what they're going to do with um, on defense when you talk about contracts coming up for Chase Young. Um, and then, obviously, they still had Carson Wentz contract on the book books, which I think that those two moves right there correlated uh, big time. 
So now they're going to fi- probably try to figure out a contract for Payne to keep him long-term. Um, he's not a player they can really afford to let get away. And with Wentz's contract off, and and if they don't end up signing him, he's going to end up playing on this tag, which is just over $18 million. That's a lot of money for a defensive tackle. So I'm expecting Darren Payne with this um, franchise tag that he got to get a long-term deal before the season begins. So um, good news for the commanders and their defense and their defensive line, which is one of the most talented in the NFL, staying together. Okay, Going to move on to our next players that still have not yet to receive the tag, but I am predicting that they will. And we'll start off with the Denver Broncos. Defensive tackle Draymond Jones. Um, a young guy that a lot of people probably don't know, but he's been a key to this Denver defense and how good they've been over the past two seasons especially. Um, and I see Draymond Jones. He's, in, he's still on his rookie contract, as all these guys are. Um, and I see Draymond Jones as being a guy... Uh, that the Broncos don't want to let get away. They're trying to obviously win this year with Russell Wilson, Sean Payton. Um, I think Draymond Jones, this is one that probably a lot of people aren't really talking about. I think he's going to get the non-exclusive franchise tag. Um, Also, Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle for the 49ers. Um, McGlinchey has been a key to all of the quarterback success that, that Kyle Shanahan has been able to have with multiple different quarterbacks in San Francisco. Him and um, Trent Williams have been probably the best tackle duo in the NFL, um, and I think that they're not going to let him get away as well. So I'm predicting that he gets the non-exclusive franchise tag. Um, the next three are kind of the more big names. Um, for the New York Giants, you know, there's a big question between is it going to be Daniel Jones or is it going to be Saquon Barkley? Which one's going to get a, a contract first, a long-term contract first? Um, how much do they prioritize Saquon Barkley at the running back position? How much do they prioritize running backs? And it's going to be... Um, interesting because Brian Dayball is not the coach and this is not the the staff that drafted Saquon Barkley second overall because you I mean you think you you invest a second overall pick in Saquon Barkley he has a fantastic year like he did last year um, he's shown potential throughout his whole career you would think that they would value him enough that they wouldn't want to just let that walk they invested a high high draft pick in him but Dayball is not the guy who did and a lot of people do not value the running back position um, just as a whole no matter how good of a player you have uh, enough to pay them top of the market, a top of the market deal. So, but then at the same time, you have Daniel Jones, who obviously had been underwhelming in his career to this point, but he played very well this year under Dayball with an offense that didn't have a ton of talent, um, especially at the receiver position. So it's going to be really hard, I feel like, for the Giants to figure out which one they want to franchise tag and which one they don't. I think that they're going to end up giving Saquon Barkley the tag. Um, I think with Daniel Jones, they're going to work out a deal before he hits the open market. Um, and a lot of this stuff's going to obviously have to happen really quick, but you know, they, they can't, this can't be just something that they have been putting off until now. They've obviously, I would think of with Daniel Jones have been in talks with him for a while. And that may be why they haven't come to any sort of an agreement or have been putting off Saquon Barkley is because they were planning on franchise tagging Barkley uh, making him prove it for one more season because he has had a lot of struggles with staying healthy throughout his career. Um, so I, I could that's my prediction right now is that D- Jones gets the deal, Barkley gets the franchise tag. They're both back, um, and, and, and the Giants will kind of give it one more year with this group and, and build on it a little bit, put a little more talent around them and see what they can do. Okay, the last two guys I have, Orlando Brown, offensive tackle for the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs traded for him from the Ravens. He was a former first-round pick. He's played great for the Chiefs since they've traded for him. Um, and, you know, I think ever since that Super Bowl um, two years ago where the Chiefs got completely destroyed by the Buccaneers, they value offensive linemen a lot more than most teams do. And I think it was a key, honestly, in them winning the Super Bowl this season. So um, I don't predict that Orlando Brown is going to go anywhere. I think they're going to give him also the non-exclusive franchise tag um, and work out a long-term deal with him that they've already been trying to do ever since trading for him. But, um, yeah, Orlando Brown is just too important to Mahomes' success, to his health, to um, everything that Chiefs do on offense. Uh, when, when you trade away Tyreek Hill, um, you're obviously... Obviously, I think that had something to do with them trying to prioritize protecting Mahomes and understanding that Mahomes can Mahomes can work with pretty much any receiver in the NFL. 
So using that money elsewhere would probably help him a lot more. Okay, and then last but not least, of course, is Lamar Jackson. I am predicting that the Ravens will place the exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson in hopes to give him a long-term deal that he wants um, before the season starts. I've said all along in these first um, five episodes that I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to go anywhere. Uh, I think this is a lot of talk, and it's it's rightfully so. Lamar Jackson is is about four weeks, three or really just under just over two weeks away from becoming um, a unrestricted free agent, which is insane. But I still think that this is going to work itself out. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be tagged. players like Lamar Jackson never hit the open market, and I don't think I I see it happening now either. So whether they're going to trade him or not, I think Lamar does uh, at least receive the tag. Um, But that is the interesting thing that I am predicting, is that he gets the exclusive franchise tag. Um, If he gets the exclusive franchise tag, no teams can come in and try to swoop him away or try to give him a deal uh, better than the Ravens. And and even if they do that with the non-exclusive tags, they would have to give up multiple first-round picks, which I could see happening with Lamar. Putting the exclusive tag on him pretty much means that the Ravens would want um, to work out a deal and that they, they have they have expectations that they would work out a deal. Okay, since we don't have too much going on after the um, starting quarterback predictions in the NFC, I'm going to take a break right now. I'll be right back, and we'll go over the quarterbacks, and then we'll finish up with our best bets in the NBA for Wednesday night. All right, we're back, and we're going to start off going through the NFC as we concluded last week, going through the AFC, and finished up all four divisions predicting who will be their starting quarterbacks coming into the 2023 season. We'll start off with the NFC um, South today, and then we'll also do the NFC West, uh, followed by the NFC North and NFC East to round out the whole NFL um, coming up on Saturday, on the Saturday episode. So, um, first of all, let's run back through. I'm going to give you guys, if you, if you, if this is your first episode you're tuning in for, I'm going to tell you who I had for the AFC so that you're not surprised by any of these NFC teams. Um, and you're not as confused as people, obviously, who have listened to the other two episodes as well. So, um, and if you're not familiar this exercise through this exercise, I'm giving you what I think, not what I want, what I think is going to happen, not what I think makes sense. Um, but what I actually think is going to happen, um, in the NFL, uh, this offseason when it comes to who's going to be each team's starting quarterback entering 20, 2023. Um, you know, this is the time of the year where some crazy stuff starts to happen, some trades, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the news. So I thought it'd be a fun exercise to run through the whole NFL. Um, you know, we're pre-draft right now to, and tell you who who I think is going to be the starting quarterback for each team in 2023 heading into the season. So Okay, in the AFC South, we had the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, Texans, C.J. Stroud, Colts, Bryce Young, um, the Bills, Josh Allen, the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, the Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, and the Patriots, Mac Jones. Then in the AFC North, we had the Bengals, Joe Burrow, the Browns, Deshaun Watson, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, the Steelers, Kenny Pickett, and the AFC West, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, the Chargers, Justin Herbert, the Broncos, Russell Wilson, and the Raiders, Jarrett Stidham. Okay, we'll start, like I said, with the NFC South. So we've got the Buccaneers, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints. I'm going to start off with the Buccaneers. Um, This is an interesting division, a lot of shakeup. I think I only have predicted two out of four teams keep their starting quarterbacks from the season prior. Um, I, I guess you can probably obviously figure out who those teams are by me just saying that, but um, the Buccaneers are not one of them, obviously, with Tom Brady retiring, um, finally hanging up his cleats at the age of uh, 45, I believe, 40, 44, 45 years old, um, and a really good a really good run with, with Tampa, obviously. I mean, I, I all I'm going to do is understate what Tom Brady's done, um, so not even really worth trying to put the words into that, so... Um, but anyways, Brady retires after a massive um, career and a, and a good three years to end out his career with Tampa, and it leaves Tampa kind of bare right now with the likes of Kyle Trask um, as basically their only uh, quarterback worth even mentioning on the roster going into the the off season. Uh, Tampa's going to do something. Uh, they they used a second round pick on Kyle Trask two years ago, 
and they feel pretty good about him. Tampa has already come out this offseason and said that Kyle Trask, as of right now, is the plan is to go with him, is is for him to be the starting quarterback for the Buccaneers in the 2023 season. Um, but I think Tampa has to have something else up their sleeve. I think they have to have at least a backup plan. And they also have a roster right now. We'll see what kind of cuts they end up making as they're way over the salary cap. But they also have a roster that still has a, ro- a lot of really good pieces that they can win with. Um, and especially especially in this division with the Panthers, Saints, and Falcons, no, none of them winning more than seven games last year. Um, I, I mean, Tampa... Tampa's a team that still easily can make the playoffs with a few right moves and a and, and a um a little bit of reshuffling. So, um I have them going after a veteran and I have them going after Geno Smith. Um I think Geno Smith honestly, if he can't stay with Seattle, now Seattle has the 5th overall pick in the draft um this year from their trade that they made obviously with Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. So, this is the perfect time right now. I mean, Seattle with Pete Carroll as their head coach is never going to have a better chance to go after their quarterback of the future. Um, they're never going to have a fifth overall pick again, most likely. This is the first time they have in in, dec- in a, over a decade. So I just I don't see them sticking with Geno Smith, no matter how, even even with how good he played for them last year. Um, I don't see them being willing to pay Geno Smith when they have such a great opportunity to draft a young quarterback. Um, so I see Geno getting away, and and I do think Geno is going to be a starter next year. He did enough that last year to prove that. Um, for those who don't know, Geno Smith was um, a journeyman quarterback after being a second-round pick that was pretty much a failed draft pick by the New York Jets uh, in 2013. He started 16 games for them in 2013 and 14 in 2014 and was just super underwhelming, became a backup for the Giants, the Chargers, and then the Seahawks for Russell Wilson up until last season when he beat Drew Locke for the starting job. Um, went on to make the Pro Bowl, throwing for over 4,200 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and leading and 100.9 passer rating, and leading the Seahawks to the playoffs last year. Um, just a, a really cool story and a, and a cool rebound to a career by Geno Smith. And I think it's going to lead him to a pretty big payday. And honestly, Tampa, like I just explained, is one of the best fits for him um, in the whole NFL uh, T- Tampa needs to regroup. They are not in a position really to draft a quarterback, but they're also not in a position to where they can afford to just completely blow the whole team up, um, like I like I kind of just a- had explained. And Geno Smith, that's the perfect situation for him. Go to a team that has some talent. Go to a team where you can show yet again and prove yet again that you're worth uh, being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I, I just don't see a be- much better fit for him um, around the league than, than in Tampa. Um, I think Geno Smith would actually probably end up winning this division if he did end up going to the Buccaneers. Um, and, you know, a lot of this still is, is relative to who is still on the team. You know, Mike Evans is a possible cap casualty. Levante David's not going to be back on defense. Um, there's a, a couple, uh, quite a few other contracts um, in the secondary that there's a, there's a couple unrestricted free agents. Um, there's a lot of movement that could go on in Tampa, but they still have a good young core of of players on rookie deals um, that have yet to be paid that are still going to be around no matter what. And uh, I think it's enough that if you bring in Geno Smith, that Tampa could um, turn this thing around a lot quicker than most people are expecting. And if nothing else, really push Kyle Trask. See what Kyle Trask is really all about. If he can beat out Geno Smith, um, who's a smart veteran who just had a, a his a career year and made the Pro Bowl. If Kyle Trask could beat him out for the starting job, um, which I don't think would happen if they brought in Geno Smith, but I'm just saying if he could or if he eventually could, um, that's going to say a lot about what you have in Kyle Trask. And I think it will bring more out of Kyle Trask, obviously, to have competition like Geno Smith um, to get that starting job. So I think this would be a move that would benefit both sides, and I think Tampa could be an interesting team if they did do this. Okay. Next up, we've got the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the Falcons are kind of the odd team out, the way I'm seeing the landscape as I was going through all the teams. Um, Atlanta right now, uh, in the draft order, they sit uh, at eighth overall. They won just enough games. They went 7-10 and last year. They won just enough games to not be um, up there with like the Colts and the, and the Texans, like a lot of people were probably expecting going into the year. Atlanta was one of the most talent-rotten teams in the NFL, um, 
But honestly, Arthur Smith's just a really good coach, and this team is young, and they had a lot of fight in them, and they won a lot of games that most people didn't expect them to. Um, but it kind of hurts them now because right now they've they have on uh, or last season they had Marcus Mariota as their starting quarterback, and then eventually his seat as a starter was taken by third round pick, third round rookie Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, who played all right, but he's got a lot of work to do. But you know, in the situation that they're in, there's going to be a lot of teams around them that are super aggressive. Uh, with Carolina, who obviously got rid of Darnold and Baker Mayfield both. Um, obviously, Las Vegas may be aggressive. Um, Seattle, like I just said, may be aggressive. And Indy and Houston are definitely going to be aggressive. And then we're not even talking about what if the Bears end up uh, drafting a quarterback first overall. So it's going to be really tough for Atlanta um, with a roster that still has a t- lot of holes to, f- to get a quarterback at eight. And I think they might end up getting a defensive lineman or, an, or a pass rusher or, or a corner that they didn't think they would probably be able to get with the eighth overall pick. Um, and that may be where they end up going. Uh, so I, I think that they also like Desmond Ritter. Uh, they think that he has a lot of room to improve. That's why they drafted him um, early in the third round last season. And that's why they gave him the opportunity to come in and play for the end at the end of the year. Uh, they're going to give this guy a shot, I think, and I do predict Desmond Ritter will be the Falcons' starting quarterback this year. Um, I don't, I just don't see them winning any of these battles, basically, for starting quarterbacks in free agency or in the draft. Um, and, and the only one that they have a shot at, as as it's been rumored and reported, um, as with their interest, is Lamar Jackson, and. So if, if the Ravens end up keeping Lamar, I just see them as kind of being the odd team out and Desmond Ritter being their quarterback. Okay, next team, the Carolina Panthers. Um, the Panthers, like I said, just just it said, had uh, a cast of characters with Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and P.J. Wa- PJ Walker um, as their quarterbacks last year. Um, fired their coach, Matt Rule, throughout the middle of the season um, and, and kind of regrouped and... and pulled off quite a few wins um, after starting off as the worst team in the NFL um, and and won enough games to win, obviously go 7-10 and 10 to finish the season. Um, but they got rid of, they end up trading Baker Mayfield. Sam Darnold is un, an unrestricted free agent. And P.J. Walker is P.J. Walker. The Panthers have a really good young roster. They bring in Frank Reich as head coach. He's been a mastermind with quarterbacks throughout uh, most of his career. Um, he's gotten the best, like I've, I talked about on this podcast already, he's gotten the best out of every quarterback he's ever coached. Um, and I see this being a great, a great situation. A guy we've been talking about all, um, the first two weeks of this podcast, he's been all over the news. I see Derek Carr going to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think this would be a great fit. And the landscape that I've already laid out here now for the NFC South of Geno Smith with the Buccaneers, Falcons, uh, and Desmond Ritter, and Derek Carr with the Panthers. Um, if Derek Carr goes to the Panthers, they are definitely the favorite in this division. And 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 I think that um, Derek Carr would know that. Derek Carr would know uh, and will know if after visiting the Panthers, which I believe he inevitably or he eventually will do, um, he's going to realize what type of coach Frank Reich is. And I think that those two would mesh really well together. Um, and I think this, this team is going to be kind of one of those surprise teams coming into 2023. So Derek Carr to the Carolina Panthers, and then we finish up with the New York, New Orleans Saints, and I think this one's kind of pretty simple. Um, I think Jameis Winston, he, he's not on a severely high contract. Um, he left a lot on the table last season. He still kind of uh, has that those questions that have never really been answered of what he can do with a full season with a good roster around him, good coaching, good offensive line. The Saints are still a really talented team. They just cannot figure out the quarterback position. If Winston could stay healthy, this team probably could be pretty good. Um, but that's going to be the big, big question. I, th- I think the Saints are kind of stuck. Um, I, I don't really see them having a lot of options, kind of for the same reasons I said with Atlanta. Um, and, and Jameis Winston on a, on a contract under $15 million, that's really not that bad. Uh, they can do a lot of other cap, um, movements and stuff as they have a lot of issues that they're still trying to iron out from big contracts that they've had over the last three years. 
Um, I, I think I think Jameis Winston gives this team the best shot this year to at least be competitive, and uh, and I think they're going to end up sticking with Winston. Okay, finishing up here, we've got the NFC West. So, first of all, the Arizona Cardinals. You'd think this be pretty obvious, and, and it really is. I'm not trying to make something... I'm not trying to make more out of something than it is, but Kyler Murray is their starting quarterback, um, obviously, but Kyler Murray also is not very likely, from what we're hearing right now, to be available week one going into the season. We don't even know when he'll be available, um, but it's not looking like it'll be week one. And so I am predicting that they end up uh, keeping retaining and and starting Colt McCoy week one, but Kyler Murray will obviously um, eventually be this team's quarterback. Um you know, the Cardinals are going to, they're in a position right now where they're kind of stuck, and I think they're going to probably end up um, not winning very many games this year. This is probably the worst roster in the NFL. They're definitely rebuilding, which is really awkward because they have a quarterback who's on a mega deal and, and a young quarterback um, still in his career. So uh, it's it's an awkward situation, but I, I, I think that Cole McCoy is going to start, and we'll see what happens with Kyler Murray. Um, possibly Kyler Murray just won't play at all this year. I could see that happening. I could see them completely tanking to try to get the best draft picks that they can and build toward the future around Kyler Murray. Um, and, uh, yeah, Jonathan Gannon and, and this team are going to have a lot of really tough decisions that they're going to have to make throughout the season, um, with a roster that just has a lot of building that needs to be done. Okay. The 49ers. This one's super interesting. Um, Trey Lance, their young rookie quarterback, first-round pick that they traded multiple first-round picks for two two seasons ago. Um, hasn't played very much with Jimmy Garoppolo being their starting quarterback over the last two seasons for most of it. Most of it. Uh, Lance got the opportunity going into the season, but got hurt within the first, five, first four weeks of the season. And then Garoppolo came in, played very well. Uh, he was eventually injured. And then Brock Purdy, the um, seventh-round pick, came in and played very well as also. So um, this one's obviously interesting. Jimmy Garoppolo will not be back. We know that with, with the 49ers. That's already been talked about by both Jimmy and the 49ers. Um, so this is going to come down to Brock Purdy, who's currently injured with um, and, and just had a surgery on his torn UCL in his, in his elbow um, from his injury that he suffered in the NFC Championship. Uh, and Trey Lance, who is recovering also from his torn ACL. So... Um, a lot of people are speculating on if Trey Lance is going to get an opportunity. He could get traded. People are thinking, listen, the 49ers just invested way too much money and way too, way too much stock into Trey Lance. Not, not so much money, um, but stock in Trey Lance to give up on him this quick. The guy still has not started, uh, over, over six games in his NFL career um, and they're, everyone, what the whole thing was with Trey Lance is there's so much untapped potential. There's so much room to grow. We're three years into his career, and he hasn't even played double-digit games in the NFL. Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback of the 49ers next year, barring injury. Barring this injury, not recovering fully by the beginning of next season, Trey Lance will be the starting quarterback of the 49ers. I don't doubt that one bit. I get how good their roster is, but you cannot tell me that they didn't know how good their roster was um, just two seasons ago when they drafted Trey Lance in the first round and gave up what they gave up for Trey Lance, who they knew was a project. I said it didn't make sense at the time, but the 49ers thought it made sense. So why would they back down from it now? It just doesn't make any sense. So I think this this one right here is easy for me, although it probably is an argument that a lot of people are having. Trey Lance will be the starting quarterback of the 49ers, whether people like it or think it makes sense or not. Okay, the Rams, uh, Matthew Stafford will still be the starting quarterback for the Rams, I believe. Um, people have speculated he may be retiring, but I, I think Stafford still has football in him. Uh, I think he still wants to play football. I think that um, Stafford's still a good quarterback, and I think that if the Rams can kind of regroup and, and do kind of the same thing we've been talking about with these other teams, if they can get rid of these contracts that are bad that they gave up draft picks for, uh, clear some cap space and bring in some young players around Stafford. I think he still has a few seasons left in him, and they could probably compete in the NFC um, to to at least get into the playoffs next season uh, and bounce back. And then finishing up the Seattle Seahawks. So this one's interesting. I obviously already predicted Geno Smith will be uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer. 
So that leaves the Seahawks with Drew Locke, if that does happen, um, and possibly drafting someone with the fifth overall pick, which is exactly what I think is going to happen. Um, I think the Seahawks are going to end up with Drew Locke and Will Levis um, as their quarterbacks coming into uh, training camp, and I think Drew Locke will probably get his shot. Um, as the Seahawks have talked about nonstop ever since they traded Russell Wilson and they purposely wanted Drew Locke in, in the, the trade, uh, they like Drew Locke as a prospect. They think that Drew Locke still has um, a lot of room to grow and had a lot of room to grow with Denver, um, and and they wanted to build on that, and they, they wanted to, I think, start him last year when they ended up trading for him, but Geno Smith just outperformed him so much in training camp. Um, but I, I could easily see them drafting their quarterback of the future and then giving Drew Locke a year and his chance, or at least the beginning of the season, uh, giving him a chance to lead this team and see what he can do so that they've kind of exhausted all angles. Um, and, and Will Levis is another one that I, I kind of said with Anthony, Anthony Richardson, I think more so for him, it's going to take him some time. I think Will Levis is going to take some time as well. So um, I think Drew Locke will be the day one starter for the Seahawks, and then that we'll see going forward, but it'll be between those two quarterbacks. Okay, going to finish off here with our best bets for the night. Um, like I said, I hope you guys follow me on Twitter. I post all my bets on Twitter and more than, than what I even share on the podcast. So following me on Twitter is a great way to see that and to, um, interact with me and kind of talk about betting, talk about the sports going on. Uh, I love using Twitter and I'm, I'm, I love using it for the podcast. I'm trying to use it to grow the podcast as well. So please join me on Twitter if you would like to, and if you like the sports betting, uh, side of the podcast. Okay, my two bets for tomorrow night that I have are both in the NBA, as I said before. Um, Kevin Durant making his debut for the Phoenix Suns tomorrow night uh, in in um, Charlotte against the Hornets. Uh, the Suns are a 10-point favorite. The total is 232.5. Um, I kind of lean toward the over. I, I, like, I like the over in that game a little bit. Um, I feel like it should be more somewhere between 235 and 240. Um, but I'm not a big total better. I'm not very good at it. Uh, I, I, I don't project it on my model that I have that I use. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just, I kind of steer clear of totals, but I still kind of get teased by them every once in a while, <laughs> I guess. So, but I'm, I'm going to stick with the spread here because I do like the spread in this game as well. I like the Suns minus 10. I think with Kevin Durant, the Suns are the best team in the NBA. I think that there's a lot still to be determined, so obviously this isn't like a, a take that I'm going to put in bold and, and stamp it yet, but um, my personal opinion right now, I think this thing is going to work really, really well. I think the Suns have pretty much everything you could possibly want and need on this team at this point with Durant and Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and, and a lot of other good young players and key pieces on their bench still. Um, I, I Yeah, I think the Suns are the best team in the NBA. The Hornets also will be without LaMelo Ball for the rest of the season as they just announced that he has a fractured foot and he will miss the remainder of the season. Hornets were kind of just getting hot, but I think that that also, um, I mean, obviously he has an injury, but at, at the same time, the Hornets have won a few games. They're trying to tank. They're trying to get the best draft pick that they can. Uh, I think this is going to be the time of the year where you see the Hornets kind of completely shut it off. And the Suns are really looking to make a statement. So, Minus 10 um, for the Suns, I think that that price is pretty good. I think you're kind of getting a little bit of a, a, a break on the Suns' price because of the unexpected, or the, not unexpected, the unpredictability and also the fact that they're at, at Charlotte. But like I said, Charlotte um, doesn't really have too much to play for at this point in the season. So um, love the Suns, minus 10. Minus 110 is what I got it at in my book. Uh, these are openers, so they're kind of they're they're pretty much standard at most places at least right now. Um, and then my other bet that I like for tomorrow night: the 76ers are taking on the Miami Heat. The Sixers right now are a one one and a half point favorite on the road, uh, and the total in that game is two fourteen and a half. I like the Sixers minus one in this game. They just lost to the Heat um, on Monday night, but I, I think the Sixers after coming off of two really tough losses. Uh, I think they're going to come back really motivated. This is a team that has, I mean, this is the year for them. Like, they have to win this year. They have to win. They have to at least get to the finals this year for this thing not to be, like, 
coming to where it's going to just be a complete failure, the Joel Embiid era, um, especially with James Harden. So, you know, they, they really have to turn it on. They, to get in the conversation with Milwaukee and Boston in the East, I think the, the Sixers are going to, coming off of two losses as well, the Sixers are about to turn it on. Um, the Sixers as well, I mean, that's just obviously my personal opinion. That's not really any sort of factual evidence or anything by that. But as a favorite this year, the Sixers are 26-18. and 18, um, And, and uh, on the road, they're 13-13. and 13, So they haven't really struggled too much on the road. The Heat at home and as an underdog have been um, not very good. And against the spread up until the last couple games, the Heat have been terrible. Over the last 10 games, they're 2-8. and eight. Uh, on the season, they're 22, 37, and 3. So um, I like fading the Heat a lot this year. I've been doing it. It's been working out. Obviously, I think they'll get a little bit more hot as we get toward the playoffs. The Heat usually do. Jimmy Butler usually starts playing better over the second half of the season and into the playoffs. So um, that's obviously something to watch, but I think the Sixers will uh, have a good rebound game next or tomorrow night and uh, probably when you're listening to this tonight on Wednesday night. Um, and I like them a lot, favored, my, favored by one um, against the Heat. Uh, and I, I also, I like that game pretty much as long as you can get that under two. I, I like it. I think that one's going to move quite a bit, and it could easily be two and a half to three by the time they tip off to, on Wednesday night. So, like I said, follow me on Twitter. You can also follow me on the Action app if you want to follow all my bets. Um, my tag on the Action app is Cole underscore Lynchide. Um, so follow me on there. That's another way to track and follow all my bets uh, if you miss them or if you want to go back and, and check without scrolling through the podcast. Okay, appreciate everybody listening again. We will be back on Saturday morning for another podcast heading into the weekend. Uh, another big race at Las Vegas coming up this weekend. So I'll have more bets for you guys on the race coming up um, along with NBA during the weekend. Um, conference tournaments are going to be going on through the weekend. So we'll have some bets on those. And uh, a lot more NFL headlines as the combine continues to to ramp up and then eventually take off. So I'm sure we'll have a lot more NFL news also coming up by Saturday morning. Um, if if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, like I said in the beginning of the episode, please do. I really appreciate that. Rate, review, subscribe. You can find us on pretty much anywhere you can find your podcast. Tell anybody that you know if they're interested in sports talk that doesn't have all the extra uh, extra stuff that they don't like listening to, Nonstop BS is the place for them. Really appreciate you guys listening, um, and we will see you on Saturday. Have a good one. personally felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where i was what i was doing you know what we did it we moved on and